We are looking this morning as we continue on in this series on the church. Titled this message, Who Has the Final Word? And we'll be looking at different scriptures. But for our scripture reading, I want to turn to the book of 2 Timothy. And read verses three, uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Just through the end of the chapter. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. Someone ask when you find that if you will stand in our God's honor. As I read the text aloud. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Master, how good it is, Lord. To be known as yours. To be bought with a price. To be loved unconditionally. To be yours, Father. I pray this morning as we look at the concept of we do this together, Lord. We share this together. Uh, Pray as we look at these first two important truths of doing this together, Lord. That our hearts would uh, turn to you. And I just pray you work, Father. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Sometimes in our churches, sometimes we get the idea that it's about my relationship to Jesus and only my relationship with Jesus. We want to make sure that we have things right with God so that when we die, we'll go to heaven. And that is true. But we act as if it ends there. And it's interesting, as you look at the scriptures, as you look at the first four books of the New Testament, of course you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and their biographies of Jesus and his life and his mission and his work. And and thus it tells us about the importance of who he is and who we need to recognize him as. But then you come to the book of Acts. You see, it's the story of Jesus and who the story of Jesus, who Jesus is to me. But it doesn't stay merely about me. It moves from me to us. Because as you look at the book of Acts, it is the record of God's people coming together to share the journey. It's the church. And as we think about the church, uh, it is something that is part of a marriage Part of a wedding that takes place. But it is not simply the bride that goes to heaven. It's a whole wedding party that joins together and and looks forward to that time until finally we're in the presence of Jesus himself. But until that time, we're waiting. Until that time, we're being faithful together. As we follow Jesus. Sometimes in churches. Can you imagine a marriage. If if someone said. Do you love your wife and kids. 
And I said, oh, I love my wife and kids with all of my heart. I make sure that I'm there at supper so that she will fix me something to eat. And so that I'll have some time to lay back in my lazy chair and watch the news. And, and so that I can be sure and get my belly full. Or, yeah, I love my kids. And I'll show up when I think I'm going to see them. You know, hey, I see them at least two, three times a month. Well, it doesn't look like a lot of love, does it? Love comes not by infrequent meetings. It comes by being together. Comes by sharing that time together that's so critical. Um, matter of fact, I began to look at our church constitution and the, the idea of sharing together is called covenant. And, and guys, in, in our constitution of Kingsway Baptist Church, it's been beautifully written of how we're to share, how we're to be together. And, and I want to just take a moment and and read. From um, from that in our own covenant together. Here's the own words of, of Kingsway's covenant. Having been led as we believe by the Holy Spirit of God. To receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And on the profession of our faith. Having been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We do now in the presence of God in this assembly. Most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one body in Christ. You see we believe that individually we came to Christ. But we believe that corporately he's called us together. Next, it says, we engage, therefore, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort, to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, disciplines, and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully and regularly the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all Nations. We also engage to maintain family and personal devotions to religiously educate our children, to seek salvation of the kindred and acquaintances, to walk cautiously in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our e- engagements and exemplary in our deportment, to abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks, and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. <laughs> and then he closes. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love. To remember one another in prayer. To aid one another in sickness and distress. To cultivate Christian sympathy and feeling and Christian courtesy and speech. To be slow to take offense but always ready for reconciliation. And mindful of the rule of our Savior to secure it without delay. So the picture is we covenant together. To live these truths in the power of God and to follow Him. And with that being said, I actually want to focus on three statements this morning. Three truths. And the first is that the Scriptures are God-breathed.
We can't get away from God's book. The idea is not to beat people over the head with a book. The idea is to let the book mark us. To let the book change us. To let, to let His truth consume our hearts and our lives so that we're His light. So that we're His salt. So that we serve Him with that type of heart. Uh, turn me to our passage that we just read, Second Timothy chapter 3. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures. In other words, you watched people who loved Jesus. You watched people who you were convinced were genuine. And in verse 15, how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Their lives spoke the Scriptures as they lived, as well as from their lips. And what's he say about these Scriptures? They are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There are many different religions throughout the world, but those holy books that they see as sacred, they lead you to live better. Or to fulfill certain obligations. For example. Um, in the Hindu book. Their holy book. The Bhagavad Gita. There is a picture of bathing in the holy Ganges river. And as a result of that, you strive to be a good person, to do good works. And you have this plane, when you die, you're reincarnated. And you, 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 know, you come back as an animal and you move up the chain or you go down the chain according to how you live. It's how you will be reincarnated. And so if you're really evil, you, know, you might come back as some kind of insect. You know, something you want to swat or step on. Well, I thought in my mind, what could be worse than a slug? And, and I guess if you're really bad, then God's going to bring you back to where there's a bunch of little boys who have learned from somebody salt on a slug. Ugh. And, and the picture here is it's according to how you live. It's according to how your works. Where are you going to end up after you die? And, and there are other holy books, the Quran. It gives examples of being faithful to Allah. And, and we could go on with other holy books, but the truth of the matter is, there's only one holy book that says it is not a matter of what I do, but it is a matter of what He's done. It, it's a matter of His provision. It's a matter of the beauty of Calvary that makes the difference. That's what these sacred scriptures are all about. To give salvation in Christ Jesus. They point to Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, verse 16, it says they're God breathed. You know, and to think about that, God spoke them. They're God breathed. They come forth from His mouth. They're His words. And what are they useful for? They're useful for teaching. And the power of the teachings to tell you what's right. And He says, not only for teaching, He says, for rebuking. That's to tell you what's wrong. And then for correcting, that's to tell you to take what's wrong and to make it right. And then finally, training in righteousness. 
how to continue on that right path. And what's it for? He says, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And in the Greek, that's a picture of a ship that's getting ready to go on a journey. And everything that is needed for that journey is stored on the ship. Is there so that what is needed will be available. And, and so there it is with God's word. With the truth it is that we have a heart to know what does God say about these matters. What is God's heart? What is his will in these matters? There are some people that say, well, you know, the Bible's just written by men and it's been put on paper and, and you can't really trust what it says and you have to pick and choose. Turn with me to the book of Second Peter. In Second Peter chapter 1, I want to read just a couple of verses that describe to us the origin of the Bible, how it has been given to us. Starting at verse 19 of 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Until that morning star Jesus returns. We need to look to the light of the word. Verse 20, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. It didn't come from man's thoughts. Verse 21, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, this wasn't something that came from human thinking and reasoning. This came from the Holy Spirit who filled the hearts of God's servants. And these words were recorded for our benefit, for us to be able to trust and, and for us to have confidence in. We live in a world that's changing. We live in a culture that's in upheaval. And, and we go through this fad and we go through that fad. And we have this group telling us what's right and this group telling us what's wrong. And everybody's got a voice and everybody wants us to listen. But the truth of the matter is, there's only one voice that doesn't change. And that's God's voice. And, and so we need to know what he says. We need to be aware of his truth. And, and, and that's so critical because... Man, we're not smart enough in our own abilities, in our own comprehension. We need to hear it directly from God. Matter of fact, I read this week, uh, one guy said, we need to be very careful because probably the more politically correct it is, the more biblically corrupt it is. Don't just take something that somebody says. Talk to God about it. Look at his truth about it as, as you try to form, you know. What, what, what do you want me to do, God? So this first one's about his word. Secondly, we're called to live holy lives. Remember Romans 12, 1. It's Paul's talking to the church at Rome and he says, Therefore I urge you, he said, I passionately make this plea to you, church, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. In other words, think about how merciful He's been to you. Man, we all deserve to be zapped. 
because of our sin, because we're messed up. But God in His mercy chose to forgive us and love us. And He did that by the way of the cross. And, and, and so it's His mercy, His beautiful, endless, unconditional mercy. He says, in view of that mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. So think about Him and it will affect what you do. That's what he is saying. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. In other words, we talk about what we give up for God. But the call is moment by moment to ask him, God, do you approve of this? It's really that simple. And if the answer is no, then... We need to stop and readjust what he wants of us. You know, as someone has said, the problem with the living sacrifices is it's always trying to crawl off the altar. And what happens to many of us is we compare ourselves to people who are doing something that we think is evil or wrong. I've always said the worst sin is the one I don't do. But the truth of the matter is, My comparison is not around me. It's above me. It's to God himself that I compare. You see, the truth is, it's not that we won't trip over our own feet. It's that our toes are pointed in the right direction. (laughs) Because sometimes we do fall and sometimes we do need to be picked up. That's not the point. The point is that it's settled in our minds where we should be going. And God will guide and God will lead us. You know, it's interesting as we talk about living holy lives. Uh, as you go through the book of Acts, the early word of the church, God was moving really powerful. As you read, you know, in Acts and, and as the Holy Spirit moves and the church spreads and, and people are coming to Christ and, and they're sharing and they have hearts that are, that are sold out to God. And it's like, wow, man, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Of God working like that. And then you come to Acts chapter 5. And there's a blip, major blip, in all of these great movements. Of God, It tells us about a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. And basically, they look around and they say, we want some attention. So we, we'll just say we've given this big sum of money to God's work. And they'll notice and see how godly we are. But it says that they were struck dead. Why? Because they were trying to live a lie. They were trying not to be transparent and honest before God, which is always crazy because you really think God doesn't see us? God knows who we are, what we're like. He, he sees it all. And, and, you know, as I looked at that and I thought about that, and it comes to my mind sometimes, it's like, um, here's what happened. The church was moving and the church was growing and then there was a movement away from God and then there was a pruning. And there are times where I ask God of myself, God, I don't want to ask to be pruned because it sounds like it hurts. Have you ever seen the clippers on the tree and saw a limb off? Ouch, if you're a tree. But the truth of the matter is, it's so that the tree 
will be more fruitful. That's why it has to be pruned. In this case, there was a pruning that happened. And God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be His. He wants us to be set apart for Him. And sometimes that requires a pruning. And only you know what might need to be removed. What might need to be pruned from your life. Only you know that. Matter of fact, uh, as we close this, he, to strive to avoid sinful habits and entanglements. Uh, read a lot of different scriptures. Romans 1, 28 through 32. Uh, Romans 6, 12 through 14. Ephesians 5, 18. James 3, 3 through 18. I want to look at Galatians 5, 19 through 21. We quote often the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the flesh is also uh, quite visible here as it is shared. And, you know, it's interesting because we uh, have a tendency to say, well, don't start naming stuff, you know, then you're going to get pharisaical. But Paul named some specific sins because they were so obvious that this is not a Jesus. So in Galatians 5, I'll just read a few of these um, from verse 19 of Galatians 5, he says, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is just one big party all the time. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before. That those who live like this. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now I'm not trying to play the Holy Spirit. I don't know your heart. Times I can't even control me. And do what I want to do. I know. But I think what he's saying here. If any of these rule your life. It's time for a heart to heart with Jesus. As I heard a lady say the other day. One of those. Go to Jesus meetings. Time for a go to Jesus meeting. We're called to walk by the Spirit. Imagine a road, uh, the speed limit sign says 45, and you're going down the road. Then you see this sign that says five miles an hour. You have three choices. You can slow down. You can keep going 45 miles an hour. Or you can speed up. Now the truth of the sign is not going to change. According to the choice you make. You can slow down. Make it around the curve. You can keep going. You can wreck. Or you can just go to glory. in You know a big way. Speed up. Go 90 miles an hour through that stop sign. The truth remains constant regardless of the choice that we make. But the consequences are also very real. If we speed through that sign or even go the same speed. If we do not pay attention to God's warning. There is a price to pay. I read recently about a famous actress that said. I don't understand God. I'm mad at God. I don't. There's a lot of people that I want to be able to have sexual relations with. And I don't understand why often Sexual relations ends in sexual disease. 
tell you why. It's God's warning. God's trying to say, there's a price to pay for leaving God out. For chasing after self instead of seeking God. Uh, I'm near the end here. Romans 13. Turn me to Romans 13 and it gives us a command here. Romans 13, 12 through 14, which is right at the end of the chapter. Paul writes, he says, hey, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. He says, think about holy living. First Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, he says, As obedient children, do not conform any longer to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That, that's God's word. That's God's command. And I thought about this holiness. Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In other words, we're able to see. Sometimes it's just one step ahead. As the light only allows you to take that step. Sometimes you can't see very far ahead. But you see far enough to walk and to follow God. So I thought about that. I thought about his word. And then I thought about the word and flesh. Turn the uh, last scriptural look at John chapter 1. The book of John starts out with these words. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 14, you drop down, it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. I love it in one of the paraphrases. It says, And God pitched His tent among us. He camped out among us. The Word, the living Word. You want to know um, the Word alive? It's Jesus. As you look at the life of Jesus, you see this Word as it is alive, as it is incarnated. This is truth. And I love His words. John 8, verse 12 Here's what Jesus said. He said, I am the light of the world. He says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, hey, if, if you want to see, if, 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 if you want my word to be a part of your life so that you are set apart for God, so that you are able to see where to walk and what to say and how to live, he says, it's in Jesus. He is the light of the world. If you follow him, you're not going to walk in darkness, but you walk in the light of life. And that's the calling. And it's not something we just do individually. It's something we do together. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I, I thank you for your word, Lord. Uh, your calling hasn't changed, Father, in that regard. We still need to know you, Lord. And you made that possible because you're the one who... Introduced yourself to us, Lord. Thank you for your love letter. That's the scriptures. and That you invite us to read your letters to us, Lord.
And Father, you call us to be set apart for you. Father, not to put others down, but to lift you up. That your truth might be seen. And that people might find life that matters. And escape the darkness, Lord. Father, we are grateful for your truth. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for your church. We're grateful that we have one another. Father, deepen us. Multiply us. Um, but Father, whatever you do, bring us closer to you. Father, this is a time we call invitation. What are you up to, Lord? To an altar that's open. Bring one who needs to pray. Father, to make a decision that you're tugging at a heart. Father, may a decision be made. To share with the church. Father, I pray you lead who might need to share with your people. Because it's covenant. It's together, Lord. We just ask that you move in a time that we say is yours. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.